The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. Hi, this is Mia Mosenzel, also known as Mia No Time for Love. Check out my latest book, Missing, available in print and ebook formats on Amazon. It's now time for the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios and sponsored by international award winning author Mia Mosenzia of Missing. The Mike Wagner Show can be heard on over 40 podcast platforms, as well as HamiltonRadio.net, Diamonds FM, and TheMikeWagnerShow.com. We can be heard in over 100 countries, featuring over 1,000 well-known and amazing guests throughout the globe, and named one of the top 100 global podcasts in the New York Weekly Times, Hollywood Entertainment News, Los Angeles Weekly Times, Apple, and Chartable. So sit back and relax and enjoy another great episode of the award-winning Mike Wagner Show. Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by SonicWeb Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. SonicWeb Studios is the answer. SonicWeb Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at SonicWebStudios.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show, get 20% off your first project. SonicWeb Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Molsonzia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Molsonzia, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molsonzia has garnered great reviews and Eve 11 endorsed by Howard's celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, Eminem's. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Molsonzia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com on over 40 podcast platforms, heard in over 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, Apple Music. Also on HamiltonRadio.net, Diamonds FM, Oldies Radio, and a few other networks coming soon. Take the Mike Widener Show with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow the Mike Widener Show on Instagram and Twitter today. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast with T-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, also uh, tote bags, pillows, and more. Go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia for great books like Missing, Once, and Wrinkles. Also t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash Mia Also support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM. PayPal and themikewidenershow.com. Make sure you give generously today. We're here with a terrific gentleman who's a retired engineer and manager in the aerospace industry. He was born of seven of eight children on a farm in Oklahoma, left the farm at 17 to work in commercial jobs, paying his own way through two college degrees. His vast work experiences from labor to engineering manager stretches from Texas to North Dakota and from Massachusetts to Arkansas contribute to his current novel, which is called Tears Among the Wheat, which is volume one. And, of course, the uh, book reimagines the tales of his relatives' experiences during the late 19th, early 20th centuries from the perspective of the um, South Great Plains, including World War I, the influenza of 1918, the oil boom and bust, 
the Roaring Twenties, Prohibition, Dirty Thirties, the Dust Bowl. And of course, um, he's got a lot of great stories as well, too. And also in an upcoming book, which is called Death in Tomorrow's Shadows, which will... Um, Pretty much just um, goes further into detail as well. And live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studio somewhere in beautiful Oklahoma, the uh, multi-talented author of the book, Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1, and upcoming Death and Tomorrow's Shadows. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Melvin James. Mel, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, good evening to you, and thank you, Mike, for having me. Well, it's great to have you on board as well, too. And you've got a really interesting history, Um Mel, i got to say that you're a retired engineer and manager in the aerospace industry. You're born of seven of eight children on a farm in Oklahoma. You left at 17 to work in uh, commercial jobs, paying your own way through two college degrees. Your work experiences go from labor to engineering major, going from uh, Texas to North Dakota, from Massachusetts to Arkansas, which contributes to your um, novel, Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1. And, of course, uh, your book, um, just reimagines the tales of your relatives' experience during the late 19th through early 20th centuries from um, the perspective of the Southern Great Plains from World War I, the influence of 1918, the oil booms, the oil bust, the Roaring Twenties, Dirty Thirties, Prohibition, Dust Bowl, and more. And, of course, the upcoming Death in Tomorrow's Shadows, which pretty much just um, you know goes into the further detail. And before getting to all that, Mel, tell us how you first got started. Well, I uh, I was in engineering college, and I had to take one of those electives, and I happened to take English literature mm-hmm. uh, to just to fill that elective requirement as an engineer. They didn't want engineers to be all math and science, and the professor of the English literature class told me then I was a junior in engineering that I should <laughs> I should be I should be into literature. He especially liked uh, the way I wrote, but. Uh, I had to tell him that I'd spent too much time and effort in engineering to change majors as a junior in college. So uh, I went on through engineering, uh, completed that, went into industry in uh, electronics and computers, uh, decided they were trying to make too much of a technocrat out of me, just at a desk, software programming all day. So I went back to college, got a second degree in business. Went back into aerospace industry and worked my way up to management. So I, I had a career that took me a lot of places. I worked on Air Force One. I worked on the Boeing 747 Doomsday airplane and some other airplanes, uh, foreign head of state aircraft, reconnaissance aircraft, and so forth. But I retired from all of that just a few years ago. And when I retired... I wondered about if I really could write, so I spent my spare time writing this novel using, as what my professor told me, write what you know about, and I knew about my relatives, my ancestors. All four of my grandparents took part in the Oklahoma land run, the famous Cherokee Strip land run that uh, was uh, the basis for the movie uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Hmm. Far and Away. Okay. So all four of my grandparents were were there, and they were mixed uh, heritage. My grandfather uh, on my mother's side was uh, Czech. Uh, her my mother's uh, mother was a uh, Irish woman, uh, full blooded Irish. So my mother was the daughter of a of a Czech uh, and a full blooded Irish woman. My father, his parents were German and Dutch. Huh, interesting. So uh, 
I was I was born out of that mix of different uh, heritages of all pioneers. And when we would get together, uh, all the families were large. The grandparents would tell stories, stories going back as far as they could remember into the middle of uh, the uh, 19th century. Mm-hmm. Some of them were, were superstitious. They had their their own odd ways of looking at things. Um, and uh, so I remembered all those, and I thought, well, I'm just going to write that colorful history, all of those types of superstitions and the habits of those people and what, what they went through, their trials and their efforts. So I used history as a background. It's not a historical novel. It's what I call a classic literary fiction novel. And it's an epic two-volume novel. Both volumes have the same title, Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1 and 2. Collectively, it's longer than in words uh, than Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. But uh, fear not, it's not as many words as uh, War and Peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but it is an epic novel. It took a lot of words, and that was even after I'd kept the words back again and again, as my editor kept forcing me to do. Still, it was a large <laughs> book because it, it had just a lot of story to it. Um, it's got stories within stories, frame stories. And I've included a lot of that ethnic background. It, uh, it begins with a, an Irish family in Ireland about 1875. They come to New York City, where most Irish uh, came through Ellis Island. Uh, in New York City, the father worked as a carpenter. The son uh, had to quit school at sixth grade when his father was uh, uh, injured, and uh, he, he went on to become a uh, wagon uh, driver, a wagoneer, they called him back then, hauling freight. And he marries a, uh, a girl from Kentucky when he's working there. And they move on from there to Oklahoma just after the land run. Wow. And so they have one son, and the son grows up and meets and marries a German immigrant uh, immigrant's daughter. Uh, who was a wheat farmer and a dairy farmer. And he uh, works his way up to uh, heading a, a large ranch, a cattle ranch, before the oil boom is really discovered about 1920. And uh, he discovers oil on, on the ranch that he inherits and uh, becomes a big, uh, a big tycoon in the oil industry. But all of that uh, is lost later. Then the story picks up again because he and his his wife, the uh, the son who uh, marries the German immigrant's daughter, uh, they have they have a child, but they they give the child up for adoption. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a detective that finds the the long lost daughter uh, who is deceased in St. Louis, that her daughter is still alive. So they find the granddaughter of of the uh, of the couple and bring her just in time for the grandfather's funeral. Mm-hmm. So she inherits what's left of the estate, which isn't much. But uh, there there are a number of trials and tribulations. Uh, the story is much about people's ability to overcome obstacles, to be persistent, uh, to be durable, and continue to uh, to work towards. Uh, a a good future. 
for themselves as well as their, their children. So I, I think the story, I like to think it's got a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, encouragement in it, uh, that sort of thing for people. There's a lot of faith and hope in it. It's not a terribly religious story, uh, not, not in the least, but it is one that, uh, I think has inspiration to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one critic said it was a combination, the way he looked at it, of, uh, the great Gatsby and, uh, the other book, There Will Be Blood. I, I'd have to disagree with that. I think it's more like the combination of, uh, the movie Far and Away, which was not a novel, and, uh, the movie HUD and the movie Giant. All of those elements are there. The, the big things of Oklahoma was oil, wheat, cattle. Uh, the Dust Bowl, Oklahoma was in the heart of the Dust Bowl. And all of those are in the background. Of course, Oklahoma, like everyone else in, in the United States, went through the Great Depression, World War One, World War Two, And the characters in my novel, uh, they're, they're victims as much as anyone was uh, to the war and the Dust Bowl, the drought, the Depression. And that plays into the story, but it doesn't control the story the way it a technically a history novel would have to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's rather interesting to talk about uh, some of the events that tie in. It, uh, you know, you hear stories about World War One, the big cities, you know, what's happening in New York, what happened in Chicago, and also in Detroit, Cleveland. Of course, you had like all the factories, you know, just turning like, you know, you know, manufacturing cars and everything else into, um, you know, war machinery, war equipment, all that. And, um, you know, World War One. what are some of the things that people in Oklahoma did and what was uh, what, what they did in uh, Oklahoma during World War One? Some places, you know, turned the uh, car factories into, um, you know, just building machinery, artillery and all that. It's like, you know, what did, what did people uh, manufacture in World War One in Oklahoma? Uh, Oklahoma is uh, 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 where there's a large army base that manufactures uh, uh, cannon shells and large artillery uh, shells, munitions, at an army base here in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's always had a lot of, lot of Air Force bases and army bases. Because of uh, the terrain as well as the weather, Oklahoma was chosen as one of the premier uh, vicinities in America for uh Air Force bases where they trained many, many uh, World War One and World War Two pilots, mm. as as well as uh, a lot of lady uh, pilots who uh, flew from Oklahoma uh, to uh, pick up airplanes at various uh, airplane factories and fly them across the sea to the to the war effort, and then come back to America and pick up another airplane and fly it over also. So we, we've had a lot of uh, aviators in Oklahoma. Uh, got a long, rich aviation history here. But Oklahoma's part in World War One was primarily just giving up a lot of farm boys to go to the war. A lot of them didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, uh, some of those died of uh, of that uh, swine uh, that flu from uh, Spanish flu. Well, than, oh, the 1918, from, yes. Yes, rather than from the battlefield. But uh, my my wife's father was in World War One. Uh, my my ancestry I had I had ancestors in World War Two. I don't know that I had any in World War One. But my first Harwick uh, grandfather came to America in 1732 to Philadelphia and fought in the Revolutionary War. Interesting. 
So my daughter is eligible uh, to uh, be a daughter of American Revolution by the requirements there. Okay. All right. And that sounds like a really good history right there, too. You talked about the influenza of um, 1918. Let me... um. You know, try to, um, you know, fix here just a minute here or have some um, technical difficulties here on the Mike Wagner show. And it's also part of our Sonic Web Studios. OK, we got we're back on now with um, Mel James here. And he uh, talked about the influenza of um, 1918, where they caught the Spanish flu, um, you know, overseas and everything. There have been stories, you know, you know, talking about the influence of 1918 and how most cities handle it. How do people in Oklahoma handle the um, influence of 1918? Well, fortunately, uh, the population in Oklahoma was scattered. Uh, there weren't a lot of places of high density outside of the cities. Uh, a lot of the inhabitants of Oklahoma in, in that area of time uh, were farmers uh, and had not migrated a lot of people to the cities where the uh, flu epidemic didn't spread as, as badly in the country uh, as it did in the cities. So... But still, Oklahoma lost a lot of its people. They uh, they had uh, a lot of uh, of people trying to stay isolated to prevent catching the uh, Spanish flu. Uh, their soldiers came home from uh, from uh, the war, and uh, some of them uh, had uh, succumbed to the, the flu and survived. That flu was particularly dangerous for young adults and. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, there were a lot of young adults that contracted that flu and died from it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Oklahoma was probably affected by that flu as much as uh, the other wheat belt states, Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, uh, agricultural states where uh, people uh, did not associate in large crowds that often anyway, and that, that helped them a lot, I think, to get through that. In my story, uh, one of my main characters, his father, uh, dies from the flu while he is uh, fighting uh, the war in Europe as, as a pilot, uh, fighter pilot in, in World War I. Uh, he comes home to find that his father has died while he was uh, over overseas fighting the war. So that one uh, place where the 1918 flu epidemic fits into the storyline. Okay. All right. And plus, we'll also talk about, um, you know, you know, going from that over to the oil booms you talked about earlier and the bus, many of us are experiencing as well. Got the Roaring Twenties, Dirty Thirties, Prohibition, Dust Bowl, all tied into the story. You also had some adventures as well, too, going across country. That's also tied into Terrorism on the Reet with uh, Mel James. But first, listen to the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget, Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs at below the competition way. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention to Mike Wagner's show, get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. 
Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Molsonzia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia Molsonzia. Available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molsonzia has garnered great reviews and Eve 11 endorsed by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Forge Riley, and many others. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Molsonzia. Available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com on over 40 podcast platforms heard in over 100 countries and also on HamiltonRadio.net, Diamonds FM, Oldies Radio, and a few others. Take us with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow the Mike Widener Show on Instagram and Twitter today and TikTok. For great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia Molsonzia for great books, merchandise, and more. I'll support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and themikewidenershow.com. Make sure you give generously today. We're here with a retired engineer and manager in the aerospace industry and author of the book, Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1 and 2, and upcoming Death and Tomorrow Shadows, Melvin James here on the Mike Widener Show. And um, continue on, Melvin, uh, you mentioned about the oil booms, you know, back in the 1920s, and it went bust. And, of course, you know, up in North Dakota, where we also ventured in a little bit, we talked before we went on the show that, um, of course, the oil boom that's been the the big news up in the Bakken on the western half of the state getting into Canada. And, of course, you experienced the oil boom as well, too. And, um, you know, tell us a bit about that. How does the oil boom in 1920 in Oklahoma compare to the oil booms, um, you know, even today or even like back in the 80s around Texas and uh, Louisiana? Texas and Oklahoma as well in the 1920s was a lot more hectic and a lot more uh, involved with uh, swarms of people coming from all over the United States to work in the oil industry. There were towns that went up overnight uh, when oil was struck in the area. And we have photographs around here taken in the 1920s where the oil rigs were put up and they looked like tall trees in the forest, one after another, as far as you can see. They actually did not want to take the time to take a, an oil derrick down, move it, and reassemble it. They just left it where it was and put up an, another one a few feet away. And, and so the, there were areas that were just crowded with oil derricks and oil pumps working under those. If anyone's seen the movie Tulsa uh, that was produced back in the 30s or 40s, that gives an idea of what it was like around here during that uh, time. Uh, the uh, There weren't any uh, environmental protections back then in the 20s, and so the oil business was, was not very careful about spills of salt water. Most of the oil wells that are drilled, uh, the oil is found underground with oceans of salt water that uh, they pump out with the oil and dispose of. So there, there was a lot of damage to the land, but it, it came back uh, uh, after another 50 years or so. Uh, recovered from all those spills of oil and salt water, and the creeks and the streams that uh, had the fish uh, killed by the salt water and the oil, they, they reestablished themselves. So the, the oil boom in 1920s in, in Oklahoma was rough and tumble, the lawless. There, there was lots of crime in those towns that sprung up overnight. Uh, 
uh, one town not far from where I live now, they they used to say that there was a murder every night. Mm -hmm. and, uh, when I was a kid, that was exceptional. But today, I'm afraid that in the cities, at least, there is uh, virtually, again, uh, a murder almost every night. But, uh, Especially in social media, too. My goodness. Seems like a murder every second since social media enters. Seems like it's ramped up every second. Yeah. <laughs> but that was appalling. My, my own father worked in that oil industry when he was a young man. Uh, he bought a motorcycle, a Harley Davidson motorcycle, about 1926 or 28 in that time frame and drove it to uh, Border, Texas, where he worked welding onto the oil tanks mm -hmm. that held the oil. And uh, he actually got partially blinded because they were working so fast and so carelessly that one welder would be next to another one. Oh, my and goodness. If the guy welding next to you did not shout that he was going to uh, make an arc, an electronic arc, so you could turn your head away or whatever, then uh, you were apt to get your, your eyes blinded. So uh, uh, he went through that, uh, came back out of that oil industry to... Uh, to get back into farming, which is what he grew up into. Mm -hmm. So that, that oil industry has been a part of my life. Uh, in this area, there are still pumping oil wells where I live. I've leased my land and had a part uh, interest in a oil well from time to time here. Mm -hmm. But uh, they, fracking has been used here, and, and there's been a second recovery of, of oil through fracking. It's not as robust as it is in the Dakotas uh, in re reclaiming oil from fracking in this area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, you know, you mentioned you mentioned something about uh, North Dakota as well too. You went from Texas to North Dakota, and um, you know, maybe a little bit about the journey, you know, going from um, south up to north as well too, since we're on the subject of North Dakota. Uh, yes, uh, as myself as a as a child and on up uh, as a teenager, my, I and my brothers both worked with my father to thrash grain. We'd, we'd thrash our own grain here in Oklahoma, wheat mostly, sometimes barley and oats. Then we'd go to Kansas where we thrashed grain for the same wheat farmer there for 20 years. Wow. And then, then Alliance, Nebraska, we thrashed grain there for farmers that we'd uh, thrash grain for uh, oh, almost that long, 20 years running. Mm -hmm. Then when we when we finished in Nebraska, it was hit and miss for South Dakota and North Dakota. But mm -hmm. many a time I would uh, get back to Oklahoma after school had already started because we, we'd cut grain all the way up into the 1st of September in North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And there it was... Uh, much different than it was in the southern, more southern states. Uh, to get the grain to ripen there in, in North Dakota, the uh, grain, the wheat is actually mowed and windrowed, put into rows. So the combines then pick up the windrows the way a hay baler would pick up rows of hay, mm -hmm. rather, than, rather than cut it with the sickle. Because it has to be mowed and put into windrows so it will dry out enough to uh, thrash it. Okay. Because it's too, it's too cool up there by the time September comes, usually. Okay. I, I see that one makes sense as well, too. And then later on, you went from Massachusetts to Arkansas. You did some car repair. You, um, you also decoded uh, top-secret Soviet telemetry by hand. 
in uh, Aloysian Islands, and you also evaluate computerized precision machinery in Japan. You also picked lemons by hand in California. That had to be fun. <laughs> yes, that was uh, before I went to college. I was right out of high school. Uh, didn't have anything to do, and uh, that uh, that urge to to go to California and see if I could strike gold there, so to speak, uh, overwhelmed me. I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. I went all the way to California, and the only job I found was picking lemons. At uh, sixty cents a a bushel. Wow! And uh, I found out real quick that lemon trees have thorns that are about three inches long, two to three inches. <laughs> it, it will tear your shirt up in four hours of work oh if my you gosh. really try to pick lemons, as well as scratch up your arms. But uh, that I think was a good incentive for me to come back home and work harder uh, to get through college. Mm-hmm. But uh, talking about decoding uh, encrypted data, uh, that gets into my next novel that I'm, I'm about halfway through with, Death in Tomorrow's Shadow. Uh, it takes place in a uh, fictitious uh, electronic surveillance uh, base in, in Alaska in the Arctic Circle is where the, the murder takes place. And again, I'm going back to what my professor always told me, right, what you know about. I spent a year there in the Arctic Circle uh, working in electronics uh, at a uh, surveillance, electronic surveillance base uh, where we uh, we actually intercepted every electronic signal from radar to very low frequencies and everything in between of all modulations and uh, used those to uh, to screen for intelligence that we could gather from those signals. So that story that I'm writing now is roughly based on that experience, but necessarily uh, because a lot of that was sensitive information, sensitive data, I am uh, writing fictitiously, uh, writing uh, with only that in the background, without much detail of that particular electronic surveillance work. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's come up in the um, the second book, uh, Death and um, Tomorrow's Shadows, as well, too. And uh, yes. and, and just to cover up uh, some of the um, other other errors as well, too. We'll um, we'll touch base more with um, Mel James and more about Tears Among the Wheat and also Death and Tomorrow's Shadows. And what's coming up for um, Arthur Mel James? You listen to the Mike Widener Show at the MikeWidenerShow.com, powered by SonicWeb Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. Also brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Widener Show, International Warring Author Mia Molson's The Missing, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. We'll be back with author Melvin James of Tears Among the Wheat, Volumes 1 and 2, and the upcoming Death and Tomorrow's Shadows after this time out. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written. It's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter and it's very well done. I'm going to highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshe Zia. 
He is the author of Missing. And I want to give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, this is Ray Powers, and boy, are you in luck. Right place, right time. Tuned in to The Mike Wagner Show. You heard me. We're back with author Melvin James of Tears Among the Weed here on the Mike Wagner Show and the upcoming novel, Death and Tomorrow's Shadows. And, um, you know, just to get, uh, you know, a couple of things as well, too, and going back a little bit, too, about um, Tears Among the Wheat and also the oil boom as well. It's also tied into the Roaring Twenties, also Dirty Thirties, Prohibition, and the Dust Bowl. It seems to all combine together, especially in that story. And of course, you hear about the, um, those like in the big cities, but Oklahoma, it's like, you know, is it any different or maybe just um, a bit more varied? Well, definitely Oklahoma was the centerpiece for the Dust Bowl. And Oklahoma also had a very colorful history in the uh, days of Prohibition. Since Oklahoma was one of the very last states, not until the 1970s, 60s, wow. to, uh, to allow uh, hard liquor. They, they did allow beer and for all the time from the 1930s clear up to 1960s, 30 five-year period, the only beer you could buy in Oklahoma was 3.2%. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, uh, during that time, there uh, was a, a number of, of illegal stills, whiskey stills, and uh, bootleggers who would run the whiskey from those stills. But there were also bootleggers that just drove to Kansas, bought whiskey, and brought it back to Oklahoma and resold it for mm-hmm. profit. It's kind of interesting. My father was a mechanic during the... Uh, 30s and 40s. Uh, he, he did mechanic work uh, for Chrysler, Plymouth, while uh, the wheat was growing. Uh, wheat farmers, they have to work really hard to plant the wheat, and then the wheat just grows all winter, and uh, then they have to work hard to harvest the wheat and prepare the ground. But all winter, they most of them have something else they do, and my father was no different. He, he was an automobile mechanic, and uh, he uh, was friends with uh, a couple of fellows who were uh, bootleggers who drove the cars to get whiskey here or there and, and then resell it. And the people that were the bootleggers were actually just family men, fathers who had big families that were hungry and needed fed. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they kind of had an honor to them. They wouldn't sell whiskey to youngsters and they uh, wouldn't sell bad whiskey. There, there was some stills that were making bad whiskey, if they if they used lead in the solder of their pipes of the steel, then the lead would get into the whiskey and cause a lot of health problems. Oh but anyway, one of, one of his friends, who was just an average guy making a living for his family, mm-hmm. came to him and told him that the uh, sheriff had almost caught him, and he wanted him to soup up his, his old car. And so as a mechanic, he souped it up. <laughs> he said <laughs> not three days later, the sheriff showed up and told him that that guy got away from him again. He wanted, he wanted him to soup up the sheriff's squad car, uh, which he did. And so he had a he had an extra little bit of work there uh, tuning up the sheriff's car and then the bootlegger's car for a while. Oh, my but, goodness. <laughs> so uh, so that's kind of the colorful background that, that fits into some of the backdrop of Tears Among the Wheat. Uh, Oklahoma had a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of that kind of activity. Oklahoma was unique for the center of the Dust Bowl, although lots of the Dust Bowl filtered into Texas, Kansas, and Colorado. Uh, the Grapes of Wrath was written about the Okies. So I think there's more colorful history in Oklahoma than any other state uh, along that era from the mid-19th century to the mid-20th century because we did go through the Dust Bowl and all the oil booms and the oil busts, all of those things, plus uh, merging in with the uh, the Native American tribes that uh, are here and uh, working relations with them. There's a movie coming out, uh, another movie coming out, uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Hmm. that uh, is about the Oklahoma Native Americans. It's uh, going to be a, a, a big movie. Uh, that uh, There's been a number of, uh, of books and movies written about that colorful history that we have uh, mixing in with Native Americans. And I, my neighbors are Native Americans. Uh, I've worked with and grown up and went to school with Native Americans, and, and I really love my Native American neighbors and friends. I've included in my novel some uh, characters that are Native American and some legends that are Native American, mm. and uh, tried to write about those respectfully and with dignity, because uh, our Native Americans are dignified and respectable and, and very hardworking and earnest, good citizens. Uh, not Hollywood has not always portrayed them that way, mm-hmm. uh, but... Uh, but I, I think that's just turning around, but that's part of uh, Oklahoma's heritage and Oklahoma's history and the culture of this state that I tried to weave into the story. Uh, the, the long storyline also has legends and curses, curses that go all the way back to uh, Ireland that uh, are alleged in the story. It's got some mysticism in it. One of the main characters meets with a uh, meets a gypsy woman in Kentucky, and incidentally, she happens to uh, meet up with him again later in Louisiana, and she carries him uh, in her gypsy wagon, called a Vardo, from uh, Louisiana to uh, Oklahoma for the land run, and that's in the story. Wow, that is interesting. And I was going to get that part that uh, you have been to um, Ireland. You also been to Israel, Czech Republic, Canada, Japan and Spain, Hungary, traveling overseas, tying those stories. And um, you also went to school. You also went to work. And, um, you know, tell us about a bit about the ventures as well, too. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I've, I've traveled a lot with my jobs as well as uh, as well as since I retired just just for the sake of seeing other countries and uh, with my wife. I went to Japan with a corporation that I worked for that was in the aerospace defense uh, to uh, look at and critique and try to analyze uh, multi-million dollar machinery that we were purchasing to make aircraft parts with. Uh, it's a modern computer-controlled, numerically-controlled uh, machinery that... Uh, with lots of precision and lots of complication in the way it works. So that, that took me to Japan. Uh, that was an interesting trip. Uh, the military took me to uh, the Aleutian Islands, where, where I was engaged there in the electronics uh, surveillance business. Then uh, I had a number of business trips with Boeing across the United States and over to uh, Scotland, 
there's a there's a General Electric aircraft engine overhaul facility in Scotland. So uh, we had we had uh, another engine overhaul facility that was running out of capacity, and so we, uh, I and two of my engineers went to Scotland to spend uh, a number of days there, uh, validating and checking out that aircraft engine facility to make sure it would meet all the requirements of the Air Force as well as the FAA and so forth. So I've had a number of travels uh, in in that nature, but uh, most of my travel, I'd have to say, was probably for uh, tourism uh, for my wife and myself, just for the enjoyment of it. We just love foreign travel. Mm. And, and it sounds like you did a really good job of it. Also tied in with Terrorism on the Wheat, Volume 1 and 2, and Upcoming Death and Tomorrow's Shadows. And um, where can we find your books at, Mel? Uh, everyone sells my book uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. It's sold around the world. Uh, you can buy it from Flipkart in India, um, in Germany, uh, or I should say uh, Netherlands. There's a book company there that sells my novel. Um, let's see. That's uh, in Denmark. It's Saxo is the name of the book company. In France, Glose, G-L-O-S-E. I'm sure they pronounce that differently. They sell my novel. Uh, in Scandinavian countries, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Ad Libris sells my novel. Uh, you can buy it as a hardcover book. Uh, a uh, paperback book or a uh, ebook. Uh, as an ebook, you can buy it from Apple, Google Play, or Kindle. Even Walmart sells my book, as well as IndieBound, the uh, independent bookstore. So about anywhere you look online, very few bookstores have it on the shelf, but you can get it from any bookstore online or. If someone's not very adept at going online to buy things, I always tell my interested uh, potential readers, just go to your local library. Your librarians are always pleased to help you uh, order a book online. They usually have uh, computers right there at the library. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to your you can go to your bookstore, uh, the, the big bookstores like Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Books a Million, I should say. And uh, those People there will help you order the book online. You we can deliver it to your house or however you want that done. I will certainly do so. It is amazing. We're worth uh, Melvin James of Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1 and 2, Upcoming Death and Tomorrow's Shadows on the Mike Wagner Show. And just a few more things, Mel. What else can we expect from you in 2022 and beyond or possibly 2023? Well, I'm going to finish my... Uh, my mystery novel, which is a, a detective murder mystery, I want to finish that by Christmas is my goal. And uh, Then after that, I, I'm thinking I'm setting up that detective novel in case it it does catch on with the reader public. Then I will have follow on uh, novels of the same detective. So I've created a, a new detective character. He's, he's an odd character. I think it's essential that, to get past all of the normal uh, run-of-the-mill uh, detective stories. Uh, and uh, if that catches on, then I'll, I'll probably write a series of those detective novels. Um, the, uh, the, the epic two-volume uh, 
tears among the wheat. I don't think I'll write another one of those. It was what I had stored up in me, I think, for my whole career waiting to uh, to write that epic novel, the great American novel. <laughs> uh, and, and that's over with. I think I think I'll be writing shorter novels now. Uh, however, that uh, that novel for a two volume novel has done very well in reviews. It's it's a four point nine average uh, ratings on Barnes and Noble as well as Amazon. So I'm getting good reviews uh, with that. It's a, it's it's not uh, your ordinary book. It's the kind of book you'd want to buy if you have a flight to Australia, or if you're going to spend a lot of time on the beach, or you live in some place like North Dakota, Bismarck, <laughs> and you're going to be snowed in for three or four months, and then that's the kind of novel you want. It will it will uh, entertain you, and and I like to think it will teach you a lot. I I knew a lot about the history, but I also did a lot of research to make sure that everything was accurate. So uh, the novel uh, is self-teaching on a lot of history in that respect. And certainly very interesting. I'll make it a point when we get about three, four feet of snow, we'll certainly cuddle up to that book. <laughs> and, who do you okay. and who do you consider biggest influence in your career? Uh, now, my career in aerospace, uh, it, it can be my anything. biggest influence... Uh, my biggest influence in, in my career had to have been uh, when I was working my way through college, I could not maintain enough uh, credit hours uh, engagement at the same time I was working 40, 50 hours a week labor jobs. So I, I dropped one class and uh, it was during the height of the Vietnam War and I got drafted very quickly. And uh, I had already completed almost a year in pre-engineering classes, so I, I had some knowledge in me. They ran me through the battery of tests, and they pulled me out of the line from going to the jungles with a rifle and said if I'd sign up for four years, they would give me some special training, and I signed up for that. So they, they taught me all the electronics. Uh, I went to school for two and a half years out of a four-year enlistment, including uh, eight months at the National Security Agency in Maryland, and they taught me lots about cryptographic decoding, electronic intelligence decoding, demultiplexing of signals. So that got me interested in electrical engineering, and the two of those got me interested into aerospace defense contracting. And so that affected my career more than anything. That is very interesting, and I love it. And uh, what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? Uh, I would say if you've always had an urge to write, just go ahead and do it. Uh, try it. Write what you know about. Uh, don't worry about the the grammar and the English and all of that. Some editor will find a... Uh, person to review it so just write the story use your own language uh, that's what gives i think stories interest and let the grammarian figure out the english and all of that sort of thing i had to argue with my grammarian a little bit because some some of the bad language i used and i'm not when i say bad i'm not talking about vulgar i'm just talking about poor grammar poor english uh was necessary because it was part of the character mm-hmm so uh, if the grammarian, the person reviewing your book, editing it, uh, is not too much into the story, they might just be looking at sentence structure without thinking about 
what the story's going on about. But I, my advice would be just that. Write what you know. Write it in your own words. Don't kill a lot of time worrying about sin and structure. A good editor will work through all of that. They're really looking for stories that have originality, uh, that are genuine, that have color to them, that have character to them. Mm, and that's a very good point. And tell that grammatarian to go live in Oklahoma for a while. Tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, tell him what it's like. We're here with author Melvin James of Tears Among the Wheat, Volume 1 and 2, upcoming novel, Death and Tomorrow's Shadows on the Mike Widener Show. Melvin, very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Learned a lot from you. Looking forward to having you again soon. Just keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Live have you back. Once again, tell us about your upcoming projects, what's your website, how the people contact you, or can people purchase or check Check out your books. Okay, I, I have a website, and it's, it's fairly easy. And from that website, they can go to my Facebook page, Twitter. They can go to my book pages. They can go to my booksellers. And that website is HTTPS. And the S, I remind people, means it's a secure site. Forward slash, forward slash, colon. And the important part that's all you really need to put into your web browser is www.h-melvin-james.com. So it's h-melvin-james.com. All right. We'll certainly check that out. Once again, Mel, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to having you again soon. Make sure you keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Live have you back. We wish you all best. And Mel, you've got a great future ahead of you. Thank you. I appreciate you, Mike. You have a good evening. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written, it's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter and it's very well done. I'm gonna highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshe Zia, he is the author of Missing. And I want to give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing. Available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Mike Wagner Show. Brought to you by international award-winning author Mia Mosinzia of Missing and powered by Sonic Web Studios. Be sure to join us again on over 40 podcast platforms and, of course, on the MikeWagnerShow.com, HamiltonRadio.net, and Diamonds FM. Don't forget to support our program with a generous donation at the MikeWagnerShow.com. Thanks for listening.